there it is. I was worried. We moved this for the, Chris, the kids thing, and lots of stuff hasn't been replaced, and I was a little nervous, but I found it. Um, if you have not been here uh, for one of these, today you will see something new. Today, uh, and usually most Christmases, I do what's called a narrative sermon. A narrative sermon is a story. It is the story of the Bible. Narratives are the way that the scripture was shared throughout history, really since the beginning of creation. We tell each other the story of what happened before. And so today I'm going to be telling you um, about preparation through the eyes of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was born to prepare the way for Jesus, and so today I'm going to be doing the sermon from the perspective of John the Baptist. We are going to be basing this on the scripture which comes from Matthew 3. This is what Matthew 3 verses 1 through 3 say. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who has spoken, who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, who said, A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight the path for him. And all throughout this series, I've been showing you the actual scripture where the prophecy came from. So this is from Isaiah 40, the full verses 1 through 5, which show you where Matthew was pulling from, the promise that was spoken from the prophet hundreds of years before John came. This is what Isaiah said. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God, Thanks be to God indeed. Excuse me for a second. I have a runny nose. I didn't want it to annoy me. <laughs> I don't know if you have had to wait on God before. Waiting is hard. It's been hard for me. I've had to wait so many years for the promise of God to be fulfilled in my life. I've had to pray so much. In fact, it's been 30 years of praying the same prayer over and over again. 30 years feels like such a long time. Feels like forever. Literally, 30 years is the all of my life. All of my life, I've been waiting for this promise that was spoken over my life. For the moment that I was born, my parents, Zachariah and Elizabeth, told me that I was something special. I didn't feel special. I didn't grow up special. I didn't look special. Our family didn't seem to be special. And for 30 years, I've been waiting for this specialness to become something that is real to me. They told me that I was the fulfillment of a prophecy that had been shared for hundreds of years. Hundreds of years, they've been talking about the fact that I would be born. Can you believe that? 
hundreds of years. They say that the prophet Isaiah promised that there would be one who would come to prepare the way for the Messiah, the promise of one who would save us from all of our hurting and our pain. And they told me that I'm supposed to be that person. Now, let me tell you, all they've told me is I'm supposed to be that person. They haven't told me what I'm supposed to do. They haven't told me when I'm supposed to do this. And they haven't told me what it looks like. And let me tell you that it scares me senseless. Because I don't know that there's anything special about me. There doesn't feel like there's anything special about me. And I don't know when I'm supposed to do my work or how I'm supposed to do it. But I do keep praying. I do keep staying available to God. I do keep listening, hoping that God's going to show up and tell me what I'm supposed to do, when I'm supposed to do it. Having faith for that long that God's going to show up has not been easy. In fact, there's been days when I've thought for sure that my parents got it wrong. I thought for sure that my parents were actually a little bit crazy because <laughs> let's, let's think about it. I mean, if you know my parents' story, well, if you know my parents' story, maybe you know why I've been able to wait 30 years because they waited much longer than me. My parents were very, very old when they finally had their answer from God. They had tried since they got married to have a child. My father was a temple priest even, one of 300, but only one of 300, right? It seems like that's a lot, but at the same time, he was one of 300 special chosen people, and you would think that all of those chosen people would be blessed to get everything they wanted. But that's not the way it works, is it? My parents wanted a child and they couldn't have one. And then one day, my father, one of 300, finally got to do the thing that he never knew he'd be able to do. And it didn't have anything to do with having a child. It had to do with the most important aspect of his job. You see, once a year, one of the temple priests got to go into the place where God's spirit, where God's presence resided. It was called the Holy of Holies. And in this space, one temple priest could go one day a year. So if you think about it, with 300 temple priests, the likelihood that my father would ever get to go to the Holy of Holies was very small. And the way they did it is that they would draw lots. They would choose at random who got to be the person who went into this special place where the presence of God, the very real presence of God resided. And on this day, it was my dad who finally got the nod. It was my dad who finally got to do the thing that he always hoped he'd get to do, that he always wished he'd get to experience. And part of my story is his story. See, for as long as they've been telling me about who I am and who God created me to be, they've also told me about this moment in time for my parents and what an answer to prayer it was for them. 
My dad tells the story. He says that he went into this room. He went behind the curtain, which he had never experienced before, and he'd only heard about it from his friends. And as soon as he stepped behind the curtain, he could smell the remnant of the essence that was left from last year when the last priest had burned the incense. And right before him was the curtain, the tapestry, that was so intricately woven with cherubim and angels. And he saw there the tabernacle, the place where God resided, and the place where the Ten Commandments of Moses were held. And he witnessed the candles that were there for him to prepare for this very special day. He said it took his breath away. He couldn't believe he was finally getting to see this place with his own eyes. He couldn't believe that he was finally lucky enough. And honestly, he said that as much as he kept praying every day, but then specifically on this day of the year when they would all come together, that God would honor his prayer for a child, he thought that this was a good consolation prize, honestly. He thought, well, if I never get a kid, at least I got to come to this place. And there in that room, standing by the tapestry, standing by the altar, standing by the Ten Commandments, was an angel. My dad tells me that he was terrified. I mean, imagine, <laughs> I would have been terrified too. And this is the part that's a little hard to believe and sometimes makes me think that he is wrong and I'm not that special person because who really sees angels? I mean, I've heard about them. I've heard that people see them, but I've never experienced it myself. And until you experience something yourself, it's really hard to believe that it's true, right? But he says that there was an angel standing there, and the angel said to him, really quickly, do not be afraid, as if he knew exactly what my dad was feeling. And the angel said to him, do not be afraid, you're going to have a child. And I know my dad in that moment thought, you're crazy, I'm way too old to have a child. And if I'm not way too old, my wife is way too old to have a child. But the angel said, you're going to have a child and you're going to name him John. And John's going to prepare the way for our Messiah. Your son will be special. Your son will be important. And you and Elizabeth will have the privilege of raising this child together. My dad I mean, he was human, didn't believe. <laughs> and so my mom tells me that all she knew, she didn't get to hear about the room, she didn't get to hear about the angel, she didn't get to hear anything because my dad, when he left that room, could not speak because he did not believe. Because his faith had gotten him all the way there, but somehow it disappeared in the moment when he needed it the most. My mother tells me that eventually... My dad told her, without words, what happened. And she laughed, she said. She laughed because she couldn't believe it either. She laughed because she thought, there's no way me in my old age can have a child. And I thought to myself, the first time I heard this story, 
I can't even tell you when that was because I don't remember it because it happened all the time. From the youngest of ages, this is the thing that I remember is the story about my conception and the story about my birth and the story about who I am and what I'm supposed to be. And my mother told me of this moment when she realized that that angel wasn't just bringing news that would bless my parents, because honestly, it would bless my parents. But there was a moment that she realized that my dad was the first person to hear from God in over 400 years. Think about that. For 400 years, God had been silent. No more prophets like Isaiah reminding that there was a Messiah to come. No more people telling you that God is still with you. People crying out to God. I mean, I think 30 years is a long time. Imagine your whole entire lifetime having to go without hearing from God. You see, in the angel's promise to my dad... God reminded his people that he was still with them. And the promise was not a promise just to my family. It was a promise to my family and to the world. That God had not left. That God was not going to leave. That God had not forgotten. But not only that, that the time is almost here. The time was almost here for the Messiah to come, for the one who's going to save us. And I still have yet to meet this person that I'm supposed to prepare the way for. It'd be nice if we could have a meeting and we could talk. I'm supposed to prepare the way for you. How would you like me to do that? I have no idea what he would say, but I'd really like his advice. Because I don't know what I'm meant to do. But I will tell you, that as I try to prepare, the only thing I can do is remain faithful to God. Remain faithful to faith, right? It's a crazy thing to say, but to remain faithful to faith is to remind myself that hope is real. And as much as hope can hurt sometimes, when your prayers aren't answered when you want them to be, when it seems like God has forgotten you, when it seems like God is silent, Faith reminds us that God is never fully absent, that God has never left us and God never will. And so when my faith is weak, when I struggle, when I am hurting, I lean on the faith of my parents who waited even longer than me. And when my faith is struggling then, then I lean on the faith of those who had to wait 400 years to hear an answer to their prayers. To remember that God has not forgotten God will not forget, and I do not have to figure it out on my own because I believe with all of my might that when it is time for me to do the work that I have been born to do, so I've been told, then when it is time, God will show me how. Because I know I can't do it. I know I'm not equipped. I know I'm not that special. I know I still sin. I know that I am still human. So I have to have faith. I have to have faith that God's going to show me the way. It's the only way I can get up in the morning. It's the only way I can move forward. It's the only way that I can remain this person. So as I wait, as I wait on God, I wait in faith. 
I wait in hope. I wait trusting that there is an answer that I don't have to find on my own. The only thing I have to do that I have learned that my parents have taught me, that they've shown me how they waited. And what they did is they waited by being present with God, by continuing their relationship with God. They didn't wait so much with their family. They waited in the presence of the Holy Spirit. They waited in prayer. They waited in worship. They waited making themselves available to the only one who would give them an answer. And God showed up. So I'm going to do the same thing. That's what I've been doing. So I guess I don't know what comes next for me. You may not know what comes next for you. Perhaps you've been waiting a month, a day. Perhaps you've been waiting 30 or 40 years for God's answer to your prayer. And I encourage you to wait with me. Wait with me. Wait in faith. Wait in hope. Because God's going to show up. God has not forgotten you. God will answer your prayer. Let us pray. Father, waiting is hard. And while we wait, God, there's so much that we can do and so much we busy our lives with, but God, may we wait like those who came before us, preparing ourselves for the work, for the answer that you're going to bring. May we wait in faith. May we wait in hope. May we wait in your presence. Knowing in the deepest marrows of our bones that you have not forgotten us and you never will. Give us hope in this Christmas season, Lord. A hope that shines brighter than the darkness. Amen.